0: Talking football with Vince Tracy and Eric Malpas. So, a very good day, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It is the 21st of September. It's uh, very grey here today, Um, no blue in the sky at all, the mountains look very grim, Uh, we had a lot of rain overnight, it's definitely cooled down, I've been in the pool this morning and uh, believe me it was certainly nippy, nippy to say the very least. Let's go down to the frozen wastes of Albier then and find out what it's like for Eric this morning, good morning Eric, how are you, what's your weather like?
1: Uh, good morning Vince, very uh, really, really nice weather, I feel very well, and at the moment, uh, the sun's out, it's it's more cloudy, but uh, it's not overcast like you were saying, that you would imagine a bit further up the coast from Miami, so uh, at the moment we're quite good, it's sunny but cloudy.
0: Okay, now uh, I'll go first to a couple of things that have happened over the weekend, um, before we look at the games. Uh, Pep Guardiola got himself into a little bit of hot water with the fans when he uh, asked them to turn out more for the weekend. Um, I I think, quite honestly, his comments were probably misinterpreted, but the the fanzine people, they seem to take exception to it what's your take on it because it's your club you should be well in the picture Uh, what was Pep really trying to say and why did the fans take exception to it Eric
1: well first of all it was a a, a European game, a Champions League Uh, Man City fans I know people will say because we've never won it and we can't win it or whatever but we've had problems with UEFA and all that and we've been booing the anthem when they play it when the cup starts at the beginning City fans just have not taken to the Champions League when you look at Liverpool and Man United they, they have won the cup They over the years they've built up a, a big fan base who really enjoy the Champions League but City most City fans and I'm one of them I'll be quite honest here I think the Champions League is a big rip-off the, the, the double affairs when you fly into a country when you play them away you know the the crowd what they charge you is ridiculous you know and uh, I just think it's a big rip off but anyway the point is well, that is one of the reasons why I think most city fans don't go but 37,000 what do you expect for a Wednesday night game 37,000 Maybe Maybe wish it could get that for tonight's game against the uh, Wickham they'll be looking to get twenty-eight thousand tonight well you know I thought of order uh, why why give people well like I say why, why give people bullets to fire at you, you know, by calling it empty, you know, empty head and things like that, he, he, I thought it was out of order myself, and uh, there's a few times when Guardiola just takes it off his own back to say what he thinks, which is fair enough, everybody has an opinion, but until you're in that person's shoes, whether you, I, I don't think if I lived in England, I could afford to go and watch City on a Saturday and then again on a Wednesday and then again the following Saturday do you know what I mean whereas when I was a lot younger I used to go to all, all the games home and away but now I don't think I could afford it and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of City fans that have to decide what games you're going to miss now I remember listening to somebody on the radio not long ago talking about the early part of the Champions League game he said I'll tell you who it was it was Troy listening to," and he said he doesn't bother in these early games. It's only when it comes to knockout stage that it's worthwhile watching because everybody are playing tactics and everything. And I thought, well that's a good point. And I think that's another thing which doesn't help. Oh they're playing because it's greedy, he just w makes as much money as he can out of people. Uh, I just think it's out of order. But Okay. My opinion.
0: Look, I, I like Guardiola uh, as a manager. I like him. Um, I like him as a player. I obviously like Man City as a club, but I think you're always going to get people who are going to say things like because Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, sorry, uh, don't seem to do as well in that particular competition. That might be part of a like a sour grapes brigade. Um, Whereas realistically, I think the comments are very sensible in the respect of the money that people um, are... are, are, I'm talking about your comments now, uh, are are very sensible in the respect that people... You know, you can't expect them to turn out in droves for every single game. And if you keep banging more competitions together, um, you know, you're putting a hell of a lot of... Pressure on people's finances, and in any family budget, sooner or later, I would imagine that people have got to say something like, "Hey, I can't afford it." Simple as that. Um, And then, then, as you say, they'd choose the bigger games rather than the smaller games, wouldn't they? Yeah,
1: I mean, on Saturday against Southampton, you can't really say Southampton's a big team, but I'd say they were. There were fifty-three thousand there on Saturday. I mean. I mean, obviously, when it's a, a league game, the, the people have bought season tickets, which is already paid for. you know. So, therefore, it's not like when you have to go during the week, you have to pay separate money. It's not not so you've got your season ticket. You use the same seat, but you've got to pay extra money for an extra game. In fact, I think Man United use it as a, a something to a stick to beat them with. They say, if you don't go have a ticket for a European game, you can't get a ticket for the next one or whatever. But there's, there's certain tricks which are working on people. And, uh, I, I just think it, Champions League football is a rip-off I know you're a Liverpool fan and you've been brought up on Champions League. And I'm so, Manchester United fans, possibly Chelsea to a lesser extent, but it, it is the be all and end all for Manchester United and Liverpool to win the Champions League. And uh, because they've done it and they know what it's like. I've just got the feeling that uh, our support has not taken to it yet, and I'm one of them. I have never been a big fan of it, only because I've I felt, well, uh, over the years, actually, the other year I was going to go to Barcelona, and the ticket was 180 euros. Now, that wasn't fair to my missus, who I would have had to spend 180 euros for the ticket to watch the game, and then I would have had to stay overnight in a hotel, it's just ridiculous you know it, it, what they should do if you want to keep the competition well not the competition going but bring the tickets and the prices down it I mean over here in Spain you can charge what they want and that is why it was so big if you go to a normal league game at Barcelona it might only be about 30 euros or 40 euros which is quite cheap mm-hmm. and I just think that it does me idiot but as I'm talking as a city fan now. I know a lot of people do like Champions League football, but it's never been my cup of tea, I'll be honest with
0: you. Okay, well, look, um, I, I think there is a little bit of a misconception about Liverpool that needs to be addressed. Um, it, when the Premier League was rebranded, we've only won it once in the Premier League. When it comes to the uh, First Division, um, I don't think many people will forget the 70s and 80s were very much Liverpool. So I think um, I think there is a misconception that it's all about the Champions League with Liverpool. I think they always wanted to win the Premier League. Um, you know, when all said and done, we're talking about um, ordinary people being addressed to go and spend their money to keep. Um, People like, uh, dare I say, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Messi and all the Premier League players in a style of life to which they've become accustomed and to which very few of them really deserve the sort of money that we're talking about. I think, um, you know, I think we've gone out of kilter with what is a reasonably good wage. Now, I would argue the fact that if the average wage is probably about maybe a thousand pounds, well, here in Spain it's about a thousand euros a month, they reckon. Um, if that's the case, how can anybody justify more than fifty thousand pounds a week to somebody playing football? When you equate that to somebody who goes out and does an ordinary job, looks after the family, um, and, you know, even teachers, I think, were probably about 40000 um, y you know, as an average wage, uh, whereas um, the lorry drivers are now beginning to look more like a, a proper wage for, for their responsibilities. I think the latest figure I saw was about 70000 Um, you know, That would be a reasonably good wage for anybody. (laughs) I mean, it would be an exceptionally good wage, really. But, you know, when you've got these footballers talking about I want £500,000 a week, which is the latest uh, Mo Salah claim, apparently, according to the papers, this is nonsense. And um, I think Guardiola is forgetting that ordinary people with ordinary jobs I've got ordinary commitments which take a lot so um, I'll leave it there and go to um, another aspect of finances and Derby County have got big problems haven't they they've um, they've had to call in uh, the, the the administrators and all sorts of things happening there and take the hit with the points so um, not very good times for Derby a one time big club
1: well you don't forget it. I think last year Sheffield Wednesday had a- same problems, and they uh, was a big club Sheffield Wednesday many years ago. It's uh, he, just that in, in that division, uh, Championship, they're striving the hard to get into the Premier League because of the the money that they can make once they get into the Premier League. And um, what happens is that a lot of clubs, in in Derby's case, they overspend. They take a chance on the fact that they might get promotion, and I think they got beat in the playoffs last year, if I'm not mistaken. Had they got gone up, they might have got away with. It. With it but uh, they didn't get away with it because at the end of the day they didn't go up and now they're in all kinds of trouble and uh, it looks as though they might even drop down another another division if they're not careful because i i think there's a possibility that it could be deducted 24 points but at the moment i think it's 12 so uh, but it's another thing to be looked at and it might make it up to 24 minus 24 points but well, don't forget, a few years ago, Leeds United had the same problem. You can't get much bigger club than Leeds United when they were in the pump. And uh, the same thing happened to them. Like, they went down the divisions. And I can remember, I think they were deducted 25 points. And I think they won all the early games to pull the points level. And they managed to get back into a, a good six-strong situation. But it's a lot to so ask, isn't it, to pull yeah. these points out. But there you go. I think if, if, if you're dabbling with, spending money you haven't got and we all know the idea of the football now is to try and keep a balance that you can only spend what you're earning type thing and that was one of the reasons why these clubs the big clubs wanted to break away and start their own little league up so that they could make their own rules i.e. no relegation and stuff like that and uh, to me that was out of order but now they're all back in at, well most of them are back in here. Yeah. I think Real Madrid is stood after it and Juventus and a couple of the foreign clubs there. So, uh, that was not going away yet. I'll be promised if they're back again we'll try yeah. and get something going. I, but I, hopefully our English clubs have learnt to sit by the people in the Premier League and be, and be happy with that. I mean, as I've said, how much money do you want to make? How much money do you want to pay the players? You know, it's all greed, 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 greed isn't it? You know? Well, you know, so I, me... I, I disagree with you on, on the playing with the players because at the end of the day the people at the top are stupid enough to pay them that kind of money and that is where the fault is and then the reason they're paying them that kind of money because they're making X out of money out of their players on the field bringing a crowd from all around the world watching that football on the Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon whatever day it is so it's money all the way everything is money orientated and when you pass down to the lower leagues it's a bit sad because you see Teams like Derry going out of existence, and maybe other teams will follow him. you know, it, because of the ap- epidemic. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But it's, the word really is grieving; and it's not good. I don't care what anybody says. Okay,
0: Eric, look, I think there's one thing that we both patently agree, which is basically it's all about money. Um, I've had this argument and discussion with many people for many years and it's about whether football is part of society or whether football tries to create its own sort of environment away from society. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I think there's some dabbling going on and I think that people are trying to change our way of life. I'm completely convinced that in the mix of all the the, the things that we talk about, There are some very devious people who want not just the football, they want to create a different way that people enjoy um, their football and that being part of the life uh, that people grow up in. Now, you know, I relate, like yourself, to growing up with uh, the small clubs. Uh, Trammy Rovers was my local club, which I was... I'm very proud to have said at least I've had a trial with them. Um, I didn't necessarily get anywhere, but that's by the by. Um, But, you know, for any lad to be able to go to a local club, have a trial, uh, do well in the first team, be spotted by scouts, maybe on TV these days, go up the divisions and eventually become a Premier League player, um, that is something which I think most young lads still probably dream about, although probably unrealistically, many of them now dream about becoming an international star rather than just an English uh, player or a Welsh player or Scottish or Irish. So I think that um, when you get the likes of the World Cup being played in Qatar, when you look at all these events that are going across to the Arab countries... It sort of endorses what I feel quite strongly about. I feel that people are dabbing, dabbling in the way of life as much as anything else. Do you see any of that in what I'm saying? Do you do you think I might be onto something? I'm not telling you I'm right. I'm just telling you I'm suspicious because quite frankly, uh, we do know that the game hasn't been big out there. We do know the game hasn't been big in China. We know the game's not big in America. So why are we taking the game to these places? Uh, I mean, by all means, I can understand trying to explore new markets. But for goodness sake, the World Cup in Qatar at an inconvenient time, making people have to spend a lot more money to get there and um, playing in conditions which are probably not conducive to the best football your comments on that Eric
1: well I think first of all you've got to uh, look at the people who've been running the FIFA people and there must have been backhanders left right and centre in my opinion first of all when he went to Russia uh, when he also went to uh, well the Qatar now one it's a well it was next year anyway really but uh, I think there have been that many and these two people already being done, you know Black, and also a Platini, you know they, I think they're still under uh, suspicion over receiving money and it's not been brought out yet but I'm pretty sure a pair of them was uh, being looked after by some people at the top to put them in the country. countries so much well as we've just been talking about back to big money again isn't it you know bringing it into your country and, and money and why is it that England has never had the World Cup since 1966 explain that to me yeah. and it's not as though it's any reason I know you put the European well the last one that Euros was all over the place if you remember the last one but we've had the Euros in England but that's the last time we've had anything so I don't think we're going to pay money to people like Seth Black at and all that and for that reason uh, you know we've just not had the world work in England again and it does me like, anything I can't work that one out but as, as we say it goes back down to money how much money you put up you're prepared to put and you do your infrastructure and England's got everything you've got some great grounds now in England you know and uh, everything's there for it to be done in England yet they go to Qatar and you have people who are Building these uh, stadiums and paying them low wages, and it's really, it's really not looked into properly by the, the people who give these decisions who where it's going to go. I think the same thing happened a few years ago somewhere in South America. I'm not quite sure which country it was now, whereby they they just about got the stadiums ready in time. And uh, I, I don't know, it's it's all one big uh, backhander job, in my, my opinion, and because there's so much money involved and. And don't forget these people they go to these meetings and they they looked after they put in the best hotels they look you know really are kind of looked after well by the people who are trying to get the competition put in their country then they pull out every trick in the book to get them to say yes and, and as, as you said before well you said before about they try to expand again to other countries you know um, but they never put anything on in Jamaica, have they? Or somewhere like that in the West Indies. Yeah. You know, maybe there are other people who won't pay money to have it, but mm. I don't know. It's I must admit, I, I've been putting, you talking around to your way of thinking that these people are so, you know, that they just want to get away with whatever they can and make what they can while they can. Yeah. And it's all a part of a... It is maybe a big part of a big thing, you know, where... But it's a big people like in Russia, you know, the the gas people in Russia and the people in Qatar now where they're you blinking know, oil and stuff like that where it's it's a big commodity for the world where you can move like you said, basically moving things around to suit them. Yeah, well, you, know? you, you
0: see, I are mean, quite right about that. Mm, I, I, you see, the, the the sort of things that that uh, I'm involved in make me see connections. Like, for example, the Russian uh, gas situation at the moment. Now, because the football, their football isn't doing particularly well. Um, they, they've not had any big competitions in their country. Um, they've been banned from the Olympics. Uh, so, therefore, how can they get their own back? Well, you know. Let's Let's cut down the supply of gas to everybody. Um, I mean, let's be honest about it. England were absolutely balmy to rely on somebody who basically they know is likely to be um, somebody that's going to be an enemy. I really don't understand that one. Let's change the subject because basically I can get a bit carried away and um, I I do see the political connections all the time. Let's go to um, uh, something else that did catch my eye, uh, which was there was a sponsorship, uh, well, a sort of sponsorship between Sky TV and Spurs and they were calling it Game Zero. Did you spot this, by the way? It was all about... um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were trying to sort of bring climate change into football. Um, I I didn't. I mean, I watched with quite quite interestedly to see what what they didn't seem to talk about anything. I mean, basically, they just described it as an event so that we'd be careful about our footprint and maybe not spend too much money getting to the game and you know be careful. Uh, Just it seemed totally and utterly inept. Um, I wasn't very impressed with any of it. Was there anything that you picked up from that?
1: Well, it was ideas. Running. The idea was for people not to travel in their own cars to the game, and go on a bicycle, and uh, and things like that. But it's funny, something like that would have been happening at Tottenham and down the road to be a supermarket there selling stuff with plastic wrapped around everything, like this selling new, you know, and it's yeah. <laughs> just. Defeats the object, doesn't it? Well, I think well, it's another way of uh, bringing people into uh, to uh, into the limelight and well, top it's them the, it's
0: and, the and Chelsea change.
1: was uh, it's, it's part the, of it. It's the
0: climate hmm. change freaks again. I mean, by all means, you, you've got to be attentive to the fact that if there is too much uh, pollution, of of course, you try and change things. But they're not looking at America and China as the big perpetrators of much if not most of the pollution it's all very well having a football match in London I know it's on TV <laughs> but I mean you know let's get real about it go to the places where they're polluting they're the places it's like these blooming people sitting down on the motorway protesting go and do something that affects China go and do something that affects America don't don't pick on your own country stupid um, yeah. let's pay homage to a fantastic footballer who passed away over the weekend. I'm talking, of course, of uh, James Peter Greaves, MBE, um, born in 1940, uh, English professional footballer. Obviously, um, he's the fourth highest international goal scorer uh, with um, 44 goals for England. Um, Tottenham Hotspur's highest ever goal scorer, 266 The highest goal scorer in the history of English top flight football, 357. Obviously, I'm reading this, as you probably well know. Um, And uh, the First Division, as it was, the Premier League, as was the First Division, leading scorer for six seasons. Obviously, he's in the English Hall of Fame. And uh, he was really... Uh, we saw him as a player. You will, you will have seen him more than me, probably. Um, but he was a, a phenomenally good player, wasn't he? It's was, it was like a, the English version of George Best, for me.
1: Well, you didn't. Jimmy that I saw him play for three different clubs. I saw him play for Chelsea, Spurs, and West Ham. And then he's scoring nine times out of ten every time he came to the main road. He can go and he'd get a goal in fact he, I think he made his debut for West Ham against City and he scored in about the first five minutes and uh, it's Jenny crazy he, 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 he kind of if you're not watching he, he didn't notice him that much but he kind of glided through the game as if he were, was uh, on air kind of thing. I know it sounds daft that but, but <laughs> you know he, he was a fantastic player but the way he never blasted goals in from outside the penalty area and, and it was often said at weekend he used to pass the ball into the net and I can remember many years ago when I was a manager and I used to say to people when you get the ball in the penalty area instead of looking up to pass to your teammate, look to pass the ball into the net because it's it's easier to pass it into the net than pass it to your players feet if you understand what I mean and that's what he seemed to be brilliant once he was in the penalty area Jimmy Greaves he was so cute and he could use both feet. He wasn't a great header of the ball, by the way. But he, he was a, a, just an a absolute class player. And a, a gentleman over the years. He was really down to earth. He was he really one of the people, as we would say. You know, And uh, he, never, he never got anywhere near making the money that you're making nowadays. And when you think of people like Jimmy Greaves, the grounds he used to play on the mud heaps and... And what it just shows you how great a player he was. But nowadays, the, the morning is a blinking. Uh, so I remember Liverpool not long ago when he said the grass was too long somewhere. <laughs> I thought, well, you can't complain about the grass being too long. But Tim, you know, he. In those days, everybody really had to put where. A lot well, of them were always down the middle of the pitch, you know, yeah. and the goal areas used to be bare, yeah. no grass in the goal areas in those days, <laughs> and nowadays they're like bowling greens. and uh, It's just a shame that there's a lot of players who have missed out on these kind of facilities that have got now, footballers, and they don't know look at they are, apart from the money they're making. But uh, Jimmy Greaves is one of our best ever players. Just a shame that. He lost his place in the World Cup in 1966. Yes. He always complains about it himself. He said, mm-hmm. I got injured and Jeff Hurst came in, took his place and the rest is history. He <laughs> yeah. called you know, Jeff Hurst. He just, he just couldn't get back in the team. And now from he would put him back in. So, even though at the time, he was our oh, best goal scorer, you know, yeah. for England.
0: Well, I've got to say, uh, obviously, he retired and went on to enjoy uh, a very very successful career really in broadcasting especially with Saint and Greavesy Uh, but I'm going to come to something which I think is seriously enough for us to discuss Um, and it's the fact that um, he like a lot of other footballers and famous people but we're staying with football as that's the remit of the podcast um, he suffered with alcoholism now um, you know I think a lot of people who don't understand, after a sporting fixture and a game, people do have a drink and very often friendships are forged through the alcohol. Um, this was well before people totally really realised the dangers of possibly, you know, the the social aspect of the football. I mean, obviously, you'd had the people like the Salvation Army would have been outside the pubs telling everybody. But that's not quite the same as maybe drinking socially, getting relaxed after the game, being invited to speak in various situations. Um, And as we spoke about in one of the other podcasts that we made, um, Gerhard Muller, who was out in the streets of Germany and and people were calling over to him to come and have a drink with them. Um, The sad thing is football has got that side of it, which a lot of footballers um have fallen foul of and my own feeling is that this could well be part of alzheimer's rather than the heading of the ball i would say look a little more closely at the social life that people have to spend around the alcohol side of you know after the games finished and as you get get older um i i think that's uh, that's a very very sad way of looking at something that starts off to have a drink with somebody is a lovely thing to have more than a couple of drinks with it is something that very often the people don't realise is happening and I was very fortunate because I went to a, 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 the sport of judo and we could never drink because of the fact that you were going on to a fight on a mat um, I think there have been many tales of footballers who have actually gone on the pitch and have been uh, a little inebriated to say the very least before the game started so um, that side of it I think Eric does need a little bit more sympathy and understanding and research because I feel that it's all very well looking at just heading the ball but I think that's a more important side because this is another great name a great player a very nice man who basically had that problem as well Um what are your thoughts on what I'm saying?
1: Well, from my point of view, from when I first started playing football and even when I was a manager, I, I, I remember listening to Malcolm Allison and he said to Joe Mercer, always celebrate victories. And that's the beginning and the end of it all, isn't it? Because if you went on a Saturday afternoon, it's a kind of a euphoria. I mean, it's the same for the fans as well. You know, when you go home and you might, you might go straight home and, or you might not, you might go straight to the pub and see your mates and, and talk about the game and, and, and enjoy it and then you might have more than your normal share of drinks, you know so I think it's just a, a part of football whereby t- if your team win, I mean, you, it, it works in the other way as well if you get a good idea, you know, you think oh, blah I mean, blah you know, you're type of think so <laughs> I can see how it works out, you know, for people It all depends. If you like a drink, you go and have a drink, don't you? It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, when you talk about professional footballers, and in Jimmy Reeves' case, the trouble is there's so much pressure on a lot of people that they they tend to, as soon as it's over, they need to relax, and maybe that's the way they relax. I mean, I think far worse than alcohol, drugs are the worst thing, and that's been in football for quite some time, you know. Uh, but it's not a coincidence that you're going to a lot of these clubs, nightclubs whereby there's a P place where nobody else is allowed in unless you're a superstar or something like that and God knows what goes on in those places so uh, I'm not going to go uh, down that road with about drugs but alcohol is a very open one and it's uh, kind of like in the old days a lot of footballers used to smoke as well you know, which has been stopped you know, right? it's just a, a part I think of the, the society that you lived in in those days. And, and don't forget, and drink wasn't that expensive like it is today. I mean, you've, you've done everything to try and stop people drinking, you know. So something like maybe, I think Tottenham now, to buy a pint, it's about eight pounds to buy a pint at Tottenham. You know, their ground, their, yeah. the new ground. And it's, you know, so the things now are being priced out of people's, uh, uh, you know, because you're keeping wages down but they're putting prices up all the time. And it, I think working class people are being pushed back from the old days with the Cloth Cat Brigade and how when we all had our rattles and swung them around and made that noise, you know, behind the goals and everything. Those days are well gone now, and it's the prone Sandwich Brigade who have taken over and they, the cross track brigade have been pushed back think, and pushed out of it kind of thing Yeah,
0: I think the the problem is that, uh, like the lady that phoned my show and I think you were in the studio at the time uh, Murray from Finistrat who said um, Why do you always talk about football, Vince? And I said, well, quite honestly, it's because it affects society. It affects us all. So whether you like football or you dislike football, I think it's rather naive to think that it doesn't affect you because it does. Uh, because if you're with a partner, for example, and your partner you know, goes out to the pub every Saturday... Whether they win or whether they lose And comes back a little bit stocious Then sooner or later There's an impact on some people's lives That comes earlier rather than later And so, you know I consider myself really fortunate, Eric Because I've just been in the right circles With the right people um, Doing things which were not necessarily We didn't have to drink You know, as I say, with the judo in particular That was every night of the week so that that meant I didn't drink. It wasn't that I'm a goody goody, because I do like a, a drink. But it's just basically it took me away from those sort of uh, situations. I mean, I did work in the nightclubs, and so I remember on a Saturday I usually uh, used to make up for what I didn't have during the week. So you know, it's as simple as that for me. But I do think that um, with the with the professional game. It is a way now that they can change everybody and take away the joys of just going out with your mate, having a pie and a pint, uh, having enjoyed the game, um, coming back home. Maybe it wasn't as romantic as maybe we remember. Maybe it was a bit more, um, you know, uh, maybe it was also that more people were getting a little bit more... Uh, alcohol in the bloodstream than they they should have had because if you think about it, uh, they used to say, didn't they? What's your poison? <laughs> you know, when you were able to drink, what, what's your poison? Yeah. All right, Eric. We're well, lucky enough on that one because.
1: Just, tri- just, well, we're on that subject. You've got to remember how much play the football gives to people. You know, for, I can only speak from when I was over here a few years ago when when Spain won the World Cup, and what happened was it was about two o'clock in the morning. So they'd won it. And there was a lot of noise. And all the Spanish people was out just at the corner of where I live. And they were all out enjoying themselves with their little children with their little shirts on. And the pleasure that it gave people in that country, you know, it, it's fantastic. And you never forget that. Football gives a lot of pleasure to a lot of people. And there's not many other things that can do that. Music can do it. But football is definitely one thing that can do it. And uh, I think that you, you've got to remember people... Enjoy football, and it don't matter. The problem we've got is if people start causing trouble at football matches, you know, because a lot of people come hiding the crowd. Well, that brings and that's us the nicely.
0: Only downside, it? Yeah, Eric, that brings us nicely to the weekend because uh, there was trouble in the crowd with Burnley and Arsenal. Arsenal needed to win. Uh, Burnley is always a tough call and there was trouble at the ground. It ended Burnley nil, Arsenal 2. Exactly the score that you predicted, so you got that one right. Uh, I thought it would be closer. I thought it would be a draw. Um, do we know much about that crowd trouble? Do we know what it was all about, that sort of thing?
1: Well, You don't have to get trouble at places like Burnley, do you? you no, know, you do It's just that some people just go out to cause trouble. Maybe it's because they... Burnley are struggling at the bottom of the league and Arsenal is a very important game for both teams to win you know and uh, to get out of the bottom part of the relegation zone and I, I don't really know what cause the trouble but everywhere you go there's always a troublemaker it's like when you get people abusing players on the pitch there's always somebody in the crowd always having a go at somebody and uh, and it's the same with fighting but we don't get that much fighting these days, do
0: we, to be fair? No, no. Very isolated. Uh, well, well, we don't. And, of course, the thing is, it's like everything. These things always have to have uh, a flashpoint because, unfortunately, there always will be people who want to start problems, as you say, quite rightly. Yeah. Uh, did Arsenal convince you you know, they got two goals, uh, but were they convincing?
1: No, no, it was, it was actually, the score was one number, it's a free kick by Adi, Odegaard, oh, oh, who oh, won oh, game the game for him with a free kick. Score. And it's a, a tracking free kick, but, uh, yeah, well, funny, as I say, I fancied Arsenal to win because of the fact that he can't carry on playing as bad as he had been doing, and sooner or later, he's going to get his, a stronger side out than he's been able to put out, and I just knew that Sooner or later, to get that result, and don't well, we'll talk about it later probably. But they play Tottenham this weekend, Arsenal, so that's going to be another big test for them. Um, but Arsenal did deserve to win. I thought it was a fair play.
0: Okay, Newcastle won, Leeds won. Uh, I put it down as a draw. Uh, you thought Leeds would win that one, so there is a bit of a crisis developing for Leeds, and um, I thought Newcastle didn't look uh, too bad aside even though the results haven't been wonderful Um, how did you see that one
1: well it's the second season syndrome isn't it which he's talking about with Leeds Uh, unfortunately they've got a manager who's not going to change his ways and we've seen it before when uh, teams have come up like Norwich Blackpool they've come up played attacking football and finished up going down but uh, it may not happen in Leeds case that I hope not anyway because I've got so many friends who are Leeds United fans and uh, the, the game itself by the way this was a cracking game I watched it it was the Friday night game and the, it was a really good game and uh, probably slowed down a little bit in the second half but the first half was end to end it was like a basketball game and I, I thought Leeds played very well and so did Newcastle but well, let's hope Leeds don't fall into the top of the uh, Not wanting to change. It's very difficult when you're a manager and you sit with your principal, but the principals won't keep you up by playing attacking football. Let's hope that they they do survive because we prefer teams to play attacking football and park the bus. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah. And I hope they do.
0: Okay, well now then, one of the revelations so far of the new seasons, um, Brentford they went to Wolves and uh, it ended up as Wolves nil, Brentford 2 and we both got that one wrong we thought Wolves would crack it so, Brentford are looking very good aren't they?
1: Well, I've been underestimating Brentford I mean, to be fair I've not really seen them for 90 minutes in the game. that's the first time I've seen them on Saturday because it was the early kick-off uh, so nowadays, you know when all the games kicking off at three, well, 4 o'clock hour time you know, we don't get tend to see a game all a game like we was doing last year when every game was on kind of live so now we see highlights and it's the first time I've seen that uh, they look a solid outfit uh, they've got that to uh, Ivan Tony up front who everybody's been raving about even before he came in the Premier League and he had an excellent game on Saturday he, he won that by the way the penalty was a joke you know that was a little one of our wrestling penalties you know what I mean Yes. Whereby was a wrestled to the ground which we've talked about week in week out about the thought of corners when it should be a penalty and at least like, he got one on Saturday the other goal he made by making a good long run down the left wing and crossing the ball to Mubamba I think his name is I'll tell you what, that's another thing when we be doing a fantasy football what do we write the teams up there's that many names now, for days, I can't try to pronounce them. I don't know how to go on, nowadays on the on the television when you pronounce the name. How do you have people who explain to how you say the name, don't they? Yeah. You I know, think, in the lead-up to the, the broadcasting.
0: Yeah, the only answer to this is you've got to sing them. <laughs> OK. Um, Man City, uh, you had a difficult time against Southampton. Um, I think both of us really thought that Man City would win that quite easily. Southampton are proving themselves to be a little bit more durable, especially on the road, aren't they?
1: Well, everybody, as I say, uh, everybody went for the home win. That was, that was a real coupon buster, There's no doubt about that. But uh, if you remember last week, I mentioned that Southampton have got rid of some of the best players they've got, and I I was tipping them for relegation. And I mentioned last week on the podcast that they've got a lot of young players now who wear the socks off for of one another, and they're not relying on individual players such as, i.e., Danny Ings to score the goals. And uh, I, I think they are. I said he's a good manager anyway. This chap down there, I can't even pronounce his name, but uh, you know the the a very hard working side now Southampton so I've also revised my opinion of them not because of such result because I noticed a week before that when they played United and things like that they worked very hard and you're getting results draws are not very bad at at the moment for them because uh, all the early points you can pick up now until the season gets going proper after Christmas then diesel points will count for a lot but yeah and they deserve the, the result because we got a little bit out of jail City I felt on the, the penalty decision it, I, I, people are still arguing about it now but I, I, I thought it was a penalty myself mm. and it looked like he was going to be sent off to Walker but it all got reversed by Jonathan Moss the referee so VAR for once came to Man City's rescue which nine times out of ten we don't get anything out of VAR okay. but it was a fair result and more done but
0: Southampton. OK. Um, Crystal Palace came up to Liverpool. Uh, it ended up as Liverpool 3-0. Um, and uh, I thought they didn't look a bad side, actually. I don't think they... Uh, you know, if they could have taken a couple of chances, it would have been a lot closer. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was a... I won't say a comfortable win, but it was a good work. working... Win by Liverpool. Um, did you enjoy that game, and what did you think of the result?
1: I, th- I think you managed it somehow quite well. They said I've never known such a hard game. When you win three nil, it's such a tough game, you know. But yeah. We, yeah, we won three nil. They hit the crossbar, they hit the post. Just a bit unlucky Crystal Palace. Powers- and they're going to be a team to keep down I mean I also thought they could struggle this year with Vieira bringing new new tactics in playing a new style of football to what they used to when Hodgson uh, was there and uh, yeah it was Liverpool I mean they just too powerful up front Liverpool aren't they you, you, you always expect Salah to score I do anyway and as long as that buzzing around that penalty area and firing shots in and and Manny also got his underth goal for Liverpool up the weekend Uh, so it was a a good all round performance for Liverpool against a a fairly decent team I thought
0: Okay, uh, we go next to Norwich and this really was uh, a difficult one for both teams. Norwich had to win. So did Watford. Um, I thought that Norwich would probably um, have got the draw. You thought uh, Norwich would have won. Watford, quite comfortable on 3-1 with that one for me. What did you think of it? Well, Watford,
1: I, I, I don't know I don't much to make for Watford, honestly. They played very well the first game of the season when they beat Villa 3-2. Uh, and then since then they've looked a, a, a load of rubbish and now they come back again and have another actual win at Norwich which was without doubt a double point again now, you know that was a, a real relegation battle game for, in my opinion I know it's early part of the season to be talking about relegation but Norwich has firmly stuck at the bottom on no points and I think they've only scored two goals they both by Pucky, one was a penalty one was at weekend like you know but uh, I don't know it's going to be a, a tough season for Norwich, but Watford I honestly can't work them out and I think they play the Wolves this week <laughs> I can't even think to what a lap of there with that game yeah. but anyway he was a good performance by Watford Did you seem to have some good forwards that's far he scored two goals he, he was one who played really well in the very first game against Aston. but maybe returning back to form and he's had a couple of off days, so uh, we'll see how they go on in the future
0: yeah um okay Aston Villa last year uh, with Grealish they beat Liverpool 7-2. Um Everton were looking very strong and uh, they turned up. Uh, we both thought that um well you thought it'd be 2-2. I thought Everton would win it 2-3. Villa 3 Everton nil. Um Everton just didn't turn up for that one did they?
1: Well, he had a poor side out of Everton Bay. He had quite a few injuries before, and the keeper dropped out at the last minute. Uh, Coleman didn't play. He was quite a few who uh not playing at the last minute kind of thing, and Villa took full advantage of it, and he gave him a good hand. I think he scored three goals in about 20 minutes, so game over. Villa, that's another team now, Villa. Can't figure Villa out. We... really there's a lot of teams at the moment but it's early days because the the teams are not really settled you know would it be a a kind of a long short summer I should say and not many teams have worked as hard on getting as fit and as well organised as a lot of them normally are and I I still say it'll take a couple a few more weeks there's another international break next week and what will happen then there's another one again it's kind of fragmented this year the season at the beginning and I don't think it will be till after Christmas that we'll be able to have a good look at teams and see how they've settled. Plus, there'll be another transfer and we'll see what happens there on that. Yeah. So I think there's a long way to go for this season. And there's a lot of teams such as Villa we'll have to wait and see. They've done most of their business anyway and they look a very dangerous side. Okay. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with them. Um,
0: Brighton had a very good win over Leicester. Um, I think Brighton could be a surprise package this year. Two-one. Uh, we both uh, seem to think that maybe it was going to be Leicester. No, I thought it was going to be a draw. Um, but what did you make of Brighton? Because they don't look a bad side, do they?
1: Well, if you just listen to me, they keep telling you they play great football. They've got a good manager. All they've been short of is somebody to score goals, and uh, now they start to start like, to score goals. Moké scored, I think. 3 or 4 up to now he's uh, centre forward and uh, he's he just a well organised side and the manager Graham Posse, I, I've got to give him 10 out of 10 he's done a great job down there he's never panicked even though he dropped down into danger zone uh, relegation zone a few times and then come back fighting and are a, a good side and I think Leicester are also another team who's struggling with uh, injuries through key players at the back in particular Fortunately, they've got a good goalkeeper Christopher people seems so to make miracle saves every week for them and, uh, and he managed to keep him in the game and he, no, our old friend Jamie Vardy we're talking about people who can come from the, the lower leagues and Jamie Vardy won't have a perfect example whereby he, he had done the transition and uh, I like Jamie Vardy 100% week in week out I just hope he can keep it going for Leicester's sake because he, other than that I don't really notice what Leicester have so
0: very dangerously close to the bottom of the league now we yeah. have to be very careful yeah um, ok well we, we used to talk about Fergie time I thought Manchester United were hovering very dangerously near that sort of situation West Ham won Manchester United 2 I did put them down for a win so did you but I think they had to work blummin' hard for that didn't they and have a bit of luck
1: well he got out of jail didn't he that's fair I thought we got out of jail at City but United got out of the jail, jail even more so when he got awarded the penalty in the last minute and uh, he brought Mark Noble on to take the penalty which to be quite honest a lot of people have selected him off for, for, for doing that uh, the manager but I thought from his point of view I think they'd missed the last three penalties West Ham if I'm not mistaken Antonio has missed one, Declan Rice has missed one, and another lad has missed one. So he's got the, probably the best penalty taker in the league on the line as substitute. And he thought, I think I'm going to put him on because he's our best penalty taker. He scored 10 out of 10, and it, I don't really know the record of De Gea. He has conceded 40 penalties without saving one. So on the on the books, it looked like a knocking bit that Ma- uh, Noble would score, but. Brown envelope, he didn't, and, Eric. and he saved it.
0: No. Brown envelope and the triads. I'll say no more. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: but, I mean, I mean, probably. I mean, I think the referee had a bit of a dodgy game, didn't he? Really, because yeah. I think it, it looked to me as though uh, Ronaldo had been fouled definitely least, on about two occasions. It, one of them was definite penalty, but he never gave it. And like I said, these days referees tend to go play on, you know, and they keep the game flowing. That's uh, what they try to do. So it's just, you can't have it always, can you? I think, no. I think most of the referees this year have done well. And I think it's been a good season so far for referees. I think most have been pretty good. They don't always use VAA and they are now looking at things a lot quicker than they did in the past which is making the game a lot better
0: Okay, we've got 10 minutes left we've got the predictions to do we've got one last game to talk about Chelsea do look the real deal and I think Spurs didn't seem to have a chance they didn't seem to have a clue once um, I I think Chelsea scored that was it Um, they did look strong what did you think?
1: Well I think early on Spurs made a bit of a fist of it because they kind of played three players up front against their back three defenders which was working quite well in the first half because it caused them a, a, a few problems and I mean this manager he seems to be quite a, a clever guy he, he changed it at half time he brought an extra midfield player on and Canty uh, came on and he made all the difference he controlled midfield all the second half and went on to win comfortably he could have easily been six goals at in the end so uh, I can't uh, then Chelsea they're going to be a tough look to crack because they look fairly solid but we will wait and see there's long way to go yet as I've mentioned before
0: OK we go very quickly now with uh, eight minutes on the board we go for the weekend and Palace are playing Brighton how do you see that one?
1: That's uh, a Monday night game actually uh, this is a derby and I don't even consider it a derby Crystal Palace against Brighton but it's well known as being a derby game so I'm going to go for a draw, mainly because I like both teams and they're both playing play good football at the moment and I think it could be quite an entertaining game. I'd go for a 2-0. OK, I've gone for Palace 1, Brighton 2.
0: Uh, Manchester mm. United-Villa, that's an interesting game. What do you see that one ending up like?
1: That well, should be a good game because they've got that result behind them now and uh They'll be up for it. United are getting results, but they don't seem to be playing that well. I don't think. But I want to go for United mainly because they're at home, and uh, I'll be up. I've made my fingers crossed that they do it. But I've just got a feeling United's firepower might be just a bit too much for Villa.
0: Score, Eric.
1: Sorry, three 0 to United.
0: Okay, I think it'll be two one to United. Uh, Leicester My play. I hope by the way. <laughs> so do I. Leicester play Burnley. Um, that is a strange game, that one. S- see what you think of that one.
1: Well, Burnley, they in all kinds of trouble at the moment, Burnley, but you have a habit of getting out of it, you know, and uh, once they settle down and things settle down, they'll be a difficult team to beat. I just. Leicester, I, I can't figure Leicester out at the moment. You don't seem to pulling up trees and, uh, like he was last year. I'm going to go for a, a Leicester win but it's going to be
0: 1-0. OK, I've gone for Leicester 2, Burnley 2. Um, mm. Everton-Norwich, that could be a bit more straightforward. What do you think with that one?
1: Yeah, I, I won't waste time talking too much on this one. Everton should beat Norwich here, providing got a few more of them players back who was injured last week. Then, uh they should go there and give a good account of themselves So I'm sure going to go for a 2-1 result for Everton
0: OK, I'm going for 3-0 for Everton um, Leeds mm. are playing West Ham uh, That is a difficult game for Leeds What do you think?
1: Yeah, well West Ham has they week On a bit of a downer now After that losing to United Missing the penalty last minute Leeds have got to turn the corner sooner or later But I've got a feeling it's going to be a draw this game One more draw
0: OK, I've put down Leeds nil, West Ham three.
1: Wow. Okay. No messing there, mate.
0: No, <laughs> not sitting on the fence. Watford are playing
1: mm. Newcastle. Good game. What do you think of this one? Yeah, well, <laughs> Newcastle haven't been playing that bad, actually, even though they've been getting a lot of stick off people. Uh, Newcastle played some good football. You're just short of Callum Wilson coming back up front to put the ball in the back of the net. Relying a little bit too much on St Maximin but uh, as I said before Watford I just can't figure Watford out I'm going to go for a draw again here we're not normally a draw person but I'm going for another one all draw
0: Okay, now then Liverpool go to Brentford not an easy game I think that is going to be a big test for Liverpool especially as they've got a few injuries beginning to mount up now they've got four out at the moment so what do you think
1: Yeah, well, as I said last time, last week was the first time I had a chance to look at Manfred. They look a solid outfit. They've got a good manager with a good head on his shoulders. And he he, he didn't get above himself. He he seems a good lad. And I find it very difficult to go against Liverpool at the moment, mainly because of the forwards. Um, So I'm going to go for a very narrow Liverpool win, 1-0. OK,
0: and I'm going for a 2-2 draw. Um, yeah, I just think that um, it's going to be a difficult game for us. Southampton are playing Wolves. Uh, Southampton at home, a little bit um, not quite the same team as when they play away. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, Southampton Wolves. Are, well, Wolves are, are dropping like a stone at the bottom of the league now, and uh, yeah, I think this is going to be another tough hard-fought game I'm going to go for Southampton to win a low score in 1-0
0: Okay, I've gone 2-0 for Southampton Hmm. Arsenal are playing Spurs and I'll go first on this one just to freshen it up and I'm going to go for Arsenal we will lose this one 2-0 I've got to
1: disagree with I fancy Arsenal to beat Tottenham I think Tottenham has got quite a few problems there now uh they, they, they can't seem to get goals now I but them early early on they've won the first three games one nil one nil one nil, and they're not scoring now they, since then they've lost the games and uh i I'm going to go for an Arsenal two nil win, okay. just the opposite here actually well look
0: the, the, I was looking through the results you know, and we 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 reason very well as to who should win and why they should win but I mean let's be honest about it that's how the pools works as well difficult game for for Man City they visit Chelsea now this could be a big test for both teams I'm going to say 1-1 what what will you say? Well
1: I must admit I've got to wait until we see what City's team is really to be sure I mean like last Saturday against Southampton at home he left De Bruyne out and he left Foden out now they're two of our best ever players and if he's going to keep carrying on doing that we're in trouble because we've got to make sure we've got our best players on the pitch there's an old story I used to say if you've got a hammer you've got to use it and Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best midfield player in the Premier League and we're not playing him, I know he's been carrying an injury early on but now he's 100% fit so we've got to get Kevin De Bruyne in the team for sure now the other things he's got to discuss is like Mara is on the wing, when he when he came on at weekend, it made a big difference. Uh, at the moment, I I say, we're, we're not settling down on a settled team. Whereas Chelsea look really well settled, and they've got us on the mantelpiece at the moment. They've won us on three games on the trot now, Chelsea. But I've just got a funny feeling that he'll some up his sleeve Guardiola. And I think we're going to go there and, and win this game 2 0. I know it, it sounds daft in fact I was arguing with my mate last night about it he said we'll get out of my Chelsea I said no we'll win here i have some up his sleeve and I just got the feeling we're going to win this game too now could be a million miles out but that's become a true blue
0: but that's the that's the fun of the podcast uh, I mean really I <laughs> I always speak a little bit um, pessimistically of Liverpool when I'm doing their result because I want them to win all the time like you with Man City Um, you know and I don't want other people to feel I'm totally prejudiced but anyway there we are one way or the other Eric um, I think uh, the season is beginning to take shape but once again we go, go to a break which does take the sting out of what's already beginning to be achieved I think quite honestly somebody wants to get a grip of the fixtures and say hang on it's like having a Tesco with too much stock in. If you've got to put the stock in front of, on the on the floor and in the way of the product, people don't buy. And I think that's what's happening. Anyway, um, that takes yeah. care of our podcast for this week. And uh, once again, we've had lots to discuss. A very, very sad farewell to Jimmy Greaves. And um, uh, it's, it's, I think we've been very fortunate to see and watch him play. Eric? Stay, uh, yeah. stay well, stay healthy, and I look forward to talking next week.
1: Thank you, even Take care, mate. Bye bye.